It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting, uh, we welcome you again. It is good to have you. If you would, be open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. We'll look at our, uh, an introductory passage out of the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. Then we'll go to kind of our theme for tonight and our text for tonight in the fifth chapter in just a few minutes. It is wonderful to have the opportunity to worship God again. God blesses us in many ways, and I hope you're making your list. And, and maybe if you're making your list, you'll want to put Sunday evening services as one of the things that you're thankful for. The singing is always so good. Appreciate Phil. Tremendous job that he's done leading us in singing tonight. I think I've used this story back several years ago. But just in case I haven't, it's a pretty good one, and so I want to use it. But if I have used it, don't think it's the same sermon because it's not, okay? I've noticed that usually that's why people remember the illustrations and, and not the sermons, but we'll try to change that. Um, Michelle was a teacher in school, and so she was doing some, some playfully uh, role-playing that really was wrongful just to try to inch toward making a real good point about what Thanksgiving really was. And so she says to her class, she says, Now, class, you know that Thanksgiving's coming up, and you know that Thanksgiving is the time that we think about everything we have, and then everything we don't have that we want to have, and how we want to have more than everybody else has, and we're really not concerned about the other people. We just want our things. And the kids, no, no. And one little boy immediately said, Miss Michelle, that's Christmas. We are entering the holiday season, and there are a lot of thoughts that go astray, but you know, there are a lot of things that go right this week. Think how many people, think how many of us in this very room will pause this week a little bit extra to give thanks, to think about the many ways God has blessed us. We ought to be people that are grateful year-round, all day, every day. But if this week serves as a reminder what a blessing that it is. How ironic it is that we'll pause to give thanks on Thursday as a nation for all that we have, and then Friday will be the biggest shopping day of the year. It kind of tells us the struggle that we have living in a land of plenty, of how easy it is for us to forget and to maintain that gratitude year-round. Gratitude is so much more than just the habit of saying thank you. Don't you love to see little ones that when you do something for them, they just immediately reply, thank you. That's a beautiful habit. It's a proper conduct. But tonight, as we study about gratitude, if you had to get out a piece of paper right now and give a definition for gratitude, What would you write? And as you think about that for just a moment, how would you define gratitude? Then as we study this text tonight, let's think about how God wants us to understand gratitude in primarily two ways. We're going to see from a few different passages tonight that gratitude ultimately is an attitude, but then gratitude is always shown by action. So let's see the attitude and let's see the action. And by way of introduction, if we're going to study in 1 Thessalonians tonight, let's go ahead and see how Paul displays we have an example of gratitude as we begin the book. So oftentimes when Paul writes, he begins by telling them what he is grateful for in their lives. So let's read here in 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter, he gets through verse 1. 
of introducing himself and who he's writing to. And then he immediately says in verse 2 and 3. And you'll notice on the screen, on the, the, uh, we actually have a 1, 2, and 3 that is not in your Bible. But I was just letting you see there how he lists three things that he's grateful for. Here's how it reads exactly. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. So he's thankful for them. He's grateful. He mentions them in the prayers often. Now, what is he grateful for? Notice these three things. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and Father. We know from 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, faith, hope, and love. Here is another passage that speaks of faith, hope, and love, and it's the form of gratitude, where Paul looks at another congregation, the congregation of Thessalonica, and he says, when I say prayers of thanksgiving for you, I pray about your faith, your hope, and your love. Right now, if you had to say to another Christian outside of this congregation, I just want you to know I pray for you, and this is specifically what I pray. Do you have someone that you're praying for? Are you grateful for Christians other places? Are you grateful for congregations other, other places? Are you grateful for mission works other places? Friends, our gratitude ought to be a part of our life. It ought to be a part of our prayer life. Our gratitude, if you haven't thought about this, our gratitude ought to be a part of every one of our relationships. Relationships that we love, that we appreciate, that we cherish. What do we say to God in our prayers about those relationships. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, and see really what is our, our text for tonight. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, a man that has showed us in his everyday life that he is a grateful man. He prays gratitude. And now we see here in the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, in verse 16, notice what he says, Rejoice always. Are there not going to be problems in life? Yes, there will be. He wants us to find ways to rejoice in spite of our problems. Pray without ceasing. Is there ever a time that we can feel like that we can be self-supportive, self-sufficient? No. We need to rely upon God at all times. And here we go. Pray without ceasing in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. But notice that again in 18, and everything, talking about prayer, and everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Did he say, everything is good, so give thanks? No. There are going to be so many things that happen in our life that they, in and of themselves, are not good. But he wants us to find an attitude about our gratitude that says, I will find reason to give thanks in everything. Friends, how can that be? Well, the only way it can be is when we buckle down and we notice that next phrase in 18, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I will do it for this reason and this reason only. I'll do it because God wants me to do it. Now the blessing is, that it is going to be beneficial for us. Okay, I'm going to learn to give thanks in everything. In some way, this is going to bless and prosper my life because everything that God asked me to do does bless and prosper my life. So how is it that we can see larger than a problem? Ah, if we back up from the problem and we lift our eyes and we see the Lord, 
Now we've seen something much greater than the problem. Friends, our problem is that too often times when we have problems, we become selfish where we focus only on us and how we're hurting us and how we're challenged and our focus becomes very narrow and we leave God out of it. We stop serving God. It takes spiritual maturity to pull back from that problem and say, I see God in this. I see how God's going to work in this. I see how God can bless this. Or what about this? What about when we can't see it, but we know by faith? We see it through our faith that God's going to work in this. Now, as we're mulling this over, we're not changing the point here. As we mull this over, I'd like for you to turn with me to Philippians, the fourth chapter. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, we have a powerful teaching here, and and we're still thinking about problems. And if I were to say this word to you, how does this strike you? Worry. You ever worry? I wonder how many of us here could raise our hand and say, if you haven't worried about anything all year long, raise your hand. Now, there might be someone that could raise their hand. But I wonder, I wonder if anybody could honestly raise your hand and say, I haven't worried about anything this whole calendar year. You know, God doesn't want that to be a pattern of our life. He doesn't want that to be a characteristic of our life. But again, when we focus only on problems, we begin to worry And the Lord is teaching us an attitude of gratitude that says, I want you to pull back and I want you to see more than the problem and I want you to see me, leave me in the equation, allow me to go to work here. And here's how he says it in Philippians, the fourth chapter and verse six. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, that means the good things are the bad things, the problems are the peace, in everything by prayer and supplication, here it is, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Semicolon. He's going to complete this thought. What is it going to produce in our life if we can in everything? So let's say for just a moment, we're still in a problem. We back up enough to allow God to remain in our faith. We're not turning our back on God. We're not going to concentrate on only the problem and we're not going to worry about it. We're going to back up and we're going to say, God, I trust you. I put my life in your hands. You can help me through this problem. Lord, I'm not worrying about this. I trust you. What's going to happen? We can find a way to give thanks in that. And notice the next verse. It's powerful. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In the times of problems, we can know a peace that based on human understanding, it doesn't make sense. But because of our faith and our relationship with God, we can know a peace that passes understanding. How many times have you seen a faithful Christian go through something and a co-worker or a neighbor that's out in the world that doesn't know the Lord, they say about that faithful Christian, they say, I don't see how they go through that and keep their chin up. They're relying on a source much greater than themselves. They're not taking that challenge, that problem, and focusing only on that. They're keeping their faith in God. They're giving thanks in all things. And God can handle the challenges. He can handle the problems. And in that, we find less and less worry in our life and more and more peace that passes understanding. And here's what's beautiful. And that, think about a guard. 
Think about a wall that guards. The Lord becomes that guard to guard, he says, our heart and our mind. So what is gratitude? We're, we're, we're writing a definition. What is gratitude? Gratitude is an attitude that says, I'm not going to focus only on problems. I'm going to focus on God and what God can do through my life. And in that, I'll find peace that passes understanding. In that, even when there's a challenge or a problem, it's not that we ignore them. It's simply the fact that we know we can even give thanks in time like that because God is guarding our hearts and our mind. Now, as we think about guarding the heart and mind, and as we think about thanksgiving, and now especially a focus on God, turn to Romans, the first chapter. I hope you're remembering these points that we're making because all of them are going to link together here again in Romans, the first chapter. In Romans, the first chapter, this is the passage, if you'll remember, it begins really in verse 18 paragraph-wise, but especially what we're concentrating on is 20 and 21 and following is where they move from knowing God to the very point of idolatry. And you say, how could anyone move from knowing God to the point of idolatry? Here's the point as it relates to tonight's lesson, the lost focus. A second thing about our attitude is an attitude of gratitude remains focused on God and not focused on the problem. So we're not going to be people that are focused on worry. We're going to be people of peace. We're going to give thanks in all things. We're not going to be people that lose sight of God. We're going to be focused on God. And in so doing, continually blesses our life. Look how he says this in, in 20. He's talking about the fact that through creation we see God. In 21, notice this. Because although they knew God... Now this is how they moved to idolatry. They began by knowing God. They did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. You see what he's saying? Think about these stair steps down. Here's some individuals. You went up to them at one time in your life and said, Hey, do you know God? Know all about God. But then they stopped glorifying God. Oh, I know about Him, but I don't really worship Him. Then they stopped being thankful. No more gratitude toward God. Look how God has blessed our life. Look how God has blessed our family. Look how God has blessed me with opportunities. Look how God has given me health. And we look at all this and say, I'm not thanking God anymore for that. I kind of think I've done a lot of that myself. I think I'm the one that's putting my family together. I think I'm the one that gets up and goes to work each day. I think I'm the one that takes care of my body. I'm the one that works out. I'm the one that watches die. We have to decide, are we going to be people with an attitude of gratitude? An attitude of gratitude keeps the focus on God. God is the reason we have all these blessings. Now, notice how we have the mind and heart tied right in next. We're still in 21, but became futile in their thoughts. So see, now their mind was not guarded. Now their mind is being morally depraved here. And notice the next thing, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see how in the scriptures a focus on God ties into thanksgiving and thanksgiving ties into a guard built around our mind so that we think the, the right things and our hearts so that we love the right things. It's amazing how many characteristics of Christianity are tied directly in the teachings to gratitude. Some of you have probably seen the... Publix advertisement, and I'm not trying to pick on Publix by giving you this. This could be multiplied over numerous companies, but it's just obvious because it's on the TV right now. 
And it's a touching advertisement. It's a Thanksgiving advertisement. And three or four different families are depicted flashing one to another. They're about to eat this beautiful Thanksgiving meal where no doubt the groceries have been bought at Publix. And, and so, but just before they eat in each one of these families, a family member, generally an older family member, stands up and says, I want to tell you that I'm thankful for you. And different ones stand up and they look to different members of their family of one 60 years of marriage that we had and it's been wonderful and I'm thankful to you and look over some grandkids and talk about thankful and look over to family and thankful that you could come in and for the holidays and all of this. And that touching advertisement ends with a portrayal that Thanksgiving is just telling people you love, I'm thankful. What's the problem if that really is becoming our understanding of gratitude. Can you imagine a day that for hundreds of years now has been set aside in our American history to stop and give God thanksgiving for all the blessings? And now we have literally torn away the very purpose of the day. Friends, there is nothing wrong with stopping and thanking our family members for wonderful marriages or for being great-grandchildren or whatever it may be. But we are fooling ourselves if we think that's the purpose of Thanksgiving. Instead, look with me, if you will, at this next slide, and you'll see a quote from President Washington whenever he wrote his statement about Thanksgiving, a proclamation in 1789. And I'm just going to pick out the uh, line there that is enlarged, the font is enlarged. And he says, and also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of the nations. Friends, from the beginning, Thanksgiving was a time to say to God, Thank you for the way you've blessed us as a nation. Thank you for the provisions that you've given us in the harvest this year for our families. Gratitude's always appropriate to each other. But isn't it a shame that we live in a society where the, quote, public thing to do is to not show gratitude toward God? I know that that's probably not a temptation to any of us here. But doesn't it break your heart? Doesn't it break your heart to think that that is the way our nation is going? That an attitude that leads to peace, an attitude that leads to a life where things remain in the right order, an attitude that helps guard our minds and our hearts, is being totally lost in our society. Let's make sure that it's not lost in our homes. Let's make sure that it's not lost in our church family. Without God, we are nothing. As you look back at our text again on this next slide, we're not going to read it again, but I want you to see there the word that is enlarged in our text there in verse 18. In everything, give thanks. If I ask you right now, are you grateful? You might say, yes, I'm, I'm definitely a person that's grateful. Now, what if I ask you this? Have you given thanks lately? That's a little bit different, isn't it? One is saying, I see myself as a person who thinks or feels grateful. But another is to say, I have expressed it. I have given away that feeling of gratitude. 
And so for these last two passages, let's just ask ourselves, am I doing what God has taught me that can be done to give my thanksgiving to Him or perhaps even to others, but especially to Him? Look, if you will, at 1 Timothy, the second chapter, worded very similar to what we're, the passage we're leaving here where he's giving thanks where he has just before said pray without ceasing. But now in 1 Timothy the second chapter in verse 1 and 2, think about the fact that this attitude of gratitude has to be an action of gratitude. 1 Timothy 2, we are given a beautiful command. Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Notice he didn't say a feeling of gratitude. He didn't say... Uh, a heart that is appreciative. He says, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, isn't it interesting, we're back around to that peacefulness again, and peaceable life and all godliness and reverence. Obviously here he's encouraging, he's commanding us to pray for those that have lead over us. We may not agree with everything that's done. But here we're taught we still should be able to give thanks in all things. We ought to be able to give thanks for all of the leaders. God is the one who ordained government. When's the last time you and I have expressed to God our thanksgiving for our government officials? When's the last time we've thanked God for others? When's the last time you thank God, just you and God, you thank God for your family? When's the last time your five closest friends, you thank God for them by name and specifically what you appreciate about them? When's the last time you thank God specifically for your brothers and sisters here by name. Maybe it's a teacher that you really have grown from. Maybe it's a, a, a brother or sister that just always encourages you. Maybe it's someone you don't even know that well, but their example always stands out to you as holy. Friends, God commands us to give thanks to pray in thanksgiving for others. It's not enough to think it or to feel it. God says, I want you to give it. And then finally tonight, if you would, look to Luke the 17th chapter. We're thinking about praying our thanksgiving, but we're also thinking about saying our thanksgiving. And those are the two actions that we'll look at tonight and conclude with this story. Luke, the 17th chapter, the, probably the one story that is used most oftentimes in sermons about gratitude is this story. And many of us have heard it when we were little in Bible classes, and it taught a powerful lesson to us then, but we do not outgrow this lesson. You remember when Jesus was passing through Samaria, and there were those ten lepers... At a distance because they weren't allowed to mingle with the rest of the population. And so they cry out from a distance for the master to heal them of their sickness. Have mercy on us is the way they say it at the end of 13. And so he tells them in 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. 
and fell down on his face at his feet, feeling thankful. It doesn't say that, does it? He fell down at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Leprosy was a disease that usually killed individuals. It definitely separated them from their normal life, from their family, and from the routine. Can you imagine when those ten men who may have had digits that were literally withering away, they may have had cartridge, whether it be their nose or their ears falling off, it would have been a sickening sight to see, and death would have been the, the uh, next step for them in their life. And, and to think that now they're walking along, and upon Jesus' command, they're healed. Can you imagine how they thought, I can spend Thanksgiving at home. I can go back and make a paycheck now. I can enjoy being with my friends now. I can enjoy just day-to-day life that I always took for granted before. Can you imagine all the things that rushed through their mind of things now they can enjoy? Surely all of them felt gratitude. But only one gave thanks. And that's all Jesus was looking for. There were ten. Only one came back to give thanks. He didn't ask, did the others feel grateful? Where are the others? I need to let it stand out in my mind that one came back and with his voice, he gave thanks. And when Jesus described it in verse 18, he uses the word give again and he says, give glory to God. You see how this lesson is made full circle now? Remember at the beginning when we were talking about, especially out of Philippians 4, we can concentrate up on problems or we can back up and we can keep our vision on God. And when we keep our vision and our life and our focus on God, that then we can give thanks in all things and we can find peace in our life. And what did this man do? He returned to give thanks. And Jesus says, He gave glory to me. He put his vision back on me. Tonight, a heart of a gratitude is an attitude. And it is an action that reveals our love for God and that we want God glorified or magnified in our life. To be ungrateful is to focus on us and our problems. And all that does is magnifies our problems. I'm going to tell you about a quick study. And when I tell you this, you won't be surprised at all. There were some uh, professors and students that did a survey, or more than a survey, they did a study in a university They gave one group of people a daily journal where in this journal they would log the good things about the day in which they were grateful. This particular group was so much more optimistic, energized, and positive, and even healthy, less depression 
than this other group. You know what this other group was asked to log? They too were given a journal and all they were supposed to log in this journal each day were things that went wrong that day. Now you and I may not literally keep a journal of the two, but do you see the point? Whatever we focus on, it affects our life. We need to back up and focus on God. When problems come, focus on God's way to handle those problems. And when good things happen, focus on God's way to handle that prosperity or that good event. And in so doing, we fulfill that life of gratitude that blesses us over and over. Tonight, are you a grateful child of God? If you've never been baptized into Christ, wouldn't tonight be a wonderful time to show your love and your gratitude to God by saying, I'll serve you. Repent of sins and confess before men and be baptized to wash those sins away. Maybe you've already been baptized into Christ and somewhere along the way you've lost the way. Tonight would be a wonderful time to make things right, to repent of sins. Be grateful for the opportunity that God gives you to come back. There's not anybody here perfect. But we can all leave here forgiven. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.